This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. Now, amid the rush to secure global talent, Singapore faces a juggling act in the hunt for the world's best. In what's been coined the global war for talent, many countries, including Singapore, of course, are stepping up their game to court skilled labour from around the world. Employment issues were on the agenda in Parliament today, and these included one from MP Jessica Tan, PAP East Coast GRC MP, on initiatives to bring top overseas Singaporean talent back to Singapore. We're going to be finding out more from Zakir Hussein, who joins us now. He's Singapore editor at The Straits Times. Hi, Zakir. Hi. Now, Zakir, in August, Singapore unveiled the Overseas Networks and Expertise Pass, or One Pass, and other targeted enhancements, of course, to our Work Pass framework. The five-year Work Pass allows foreigners earning at least... $30,000 a month to start, operate and work for multiple companies in Singapore at the same time. So there's been a lot of debate about this, hasn't it, since it was yep. announced, with a lot of Singaporeans on the ground asking, hey, we in Singapore have a world-class education system. How is it that we have to import such talent? Don't we have people amongst us yeah. who can do these jobs? Yeah. Well, I think we don't have enough. I mean, in a way, um, for some of the job you're talking about, um, you do really need a breadth of experience and exposure. And I think one of the concerns is many of the Singaporean talent have only been, you know, um, exposed to the Singapore environment. And one of the prongs that they really need to do and get out there and get some experience is really in sort of operating in a different context, you know, whether on a regional level or in another jurisdiction in the region. And I think um, there's been some emphasis on that and, and you know, uh, the pro- programs that there are um, to ensure that Singaporeans get that exposure. And I think today what we had was sort of some MPs asking about um, what about these exposure, you know? Um, mm. Some people, you know, the, you hear anecdotal accounts of folks who go overseas and, and, and um, maybe just decide to not come back, you know, or to work globally elsewhere but not come back here. And I think... We heard a bit about uh, ongoing efforts to make sure that some of these uh, Singaporeans are aware of the opportunities back home and uh, could even be attracted to, to come back here. But I think in some cases, you know, many of them could uh, just as well function overseas and be sort of, you know, Singapore ambassadors abroad or mm. even um, show what Singaporeans can do. And I think, you know, it'd be a really sad state if the only people having top jobs in a global city like Singapore were all Singaporeans. Mm. And likewise, if you know Singaporeans don't have the chance to take on some of these positions at global companies elsewhere in the world. Mm. Or in Singapore itself. Or in Singapore you itself. Know, it's going to be diverse on all case. fronts. That's right, yeah. But here's the thing. Do you know what is keeping them from coming back? The top Singapore talent that's overseas right now? Based on your interactions <sighs> with people over the years. I think some of the, you know, sometimes it's the different pace of life, perhaps, or even a completely different environment, or the fact that being overseas, you're in, you face a different set of challenges, but perhaps that makes the job exciting, and that's rewarding in its own right. And I think if you speak, 
you know, you do get a number of Singaporeans who take three, five, even seven-year, ten-year postings abroad in the region. But you also see some Singaporeans who may have spent almost half their careers or much longer, 20 years in a market like China or Indonesia or India. And I think they bring with them invaluable experience in whether it's guiding a local company, a joint venture, um, or even a global uh, operation elsewhere in the world. So what is the plan now to bring these guys back, these people back? So I think the plan is not to, you know, lure all of them back at one shot or to, um, but I think to engage them and make them aware perhaps that there are all these opportunities back in Singapore should they wish or choose to, to relocate back. Or at the same time as well, I think it's, you know, just constant engagement. And I think we heard a bit about that. So if you strengthen Singapore's position as a global hub for talent with things like OnePass, the hope is it might also uh, entice or attract some of these Singaporeans abroad Mm. to come back because the environment here ends up being a little more exciting and more vibrant. In a way, it might not be the same as Silicon Valley or some of the major financial capitals of the world, but it'll be a bit closer to what they might be used to. What about growing local manpower for key sectors? Mm. So I think there's a fair bit of that ongoing as well, especially in areas like uh, Infocom Tech, where there's a shortage, right? And there's a large number of uh, employment pass holders there. There are ongoing programs to make sure that there's, you know, transfer of know-how and knowledge and that even the people you bring in on um, some of these special passes uh, do share their expertise. But, you know, so there were some questions about whether you should quantify or measure this transfer um, mm. And I guess sometimes it's not entirely neat or easy to, to, to measure them. And I think in some Are we cases, talking about skills transfer? You're talking in about skills transfer, yeah. knowledge transfer. And I think if you, you know, try and develop a set of metrics or you try and make the requirements too onerous, that might actually uh, backfire on you at a time when many other countries are also vying for such talent. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. Well, some companies are actually saying more can be done to address talent shortages at other levels, mm-hmm. apart from the top-tier talents targeted by OnePass. Tell us yep. more about this. What exactly are they getting at? I guess it requires a whole range of uh, factors in the ecosystem. So, for instance, making sure that um, the current pool of employees you have are also given, say, equal opportunities to maybe be posted abroad or to upskill, right, so that they they can um, attain a comparable level of competency or expertise in the job. Um, in some cases, it's even uh, recognizing or giving scholarships or awards to your um, existing stock of employees or to a fresh group of folks who might wish to transfer from other sectors or to do conversion programs from a different field. So it's, um, there's a range of opportunities, I think. Mm, both the public and private sector have to be involved though, right? It's yep. not just yep. something that the government should be taking yep. care of. Yeah, so I think one of the, in fact, uh, it wasn't really discussed today, but I think one of the issues that's been raised is perhaps uh, leading companies, you know, also have a role to train talent, not just for their own company, because that's a very narrow view, but to train folks for the industry. The thing is, any manpower policy would also have a sociological impact, yeah. right? So what are some of the potential spillover 
deeper effects on society. For instance, a lot of people on the ground are talking about whether or not this might drive up demand for housing mm-hmm. amid property cooling measures. Yeah. Uh, what negative signals might this send to aspiring local talent who yeah. feel that they aren't good enough compared to yeah. these foreigners who are being brought into the country? Yeah. So many facets there. Yeah, yeah. and I think this, this sociological uh, facet, you know, the sort of, is probably the hardest to overcome. I think I think one of the the key uh, triggers that I think uh, sparked a lot of reactions to the one pass was the sort of quick mention of the thirty thousand you know salary ceiling. Yeah, and I oh, think sorry, a lot of people said, floor. "Who are these people?" Yeah, right. Yeah. But uh, we established that we're talking about C-suite individuals here. That's right. Yeah, and C-suite individuals. Uh, if you were to look at say five percent of EB holders, that's maybe no more than seven thousand five hundred, eight thousand five hundred of your top uh, expats here. And really, they are performing roles that I think it'd be very tough for Singaporeans to, to aspire to generally un- mm. unless Again, they get I the Again, I would exposure. say, you know, we have an, a yeah. world-class education system. Right. <laughs> there, are, there must be Singaporeans who can do these jobs and we know of some who are yeah. already doing them. Yeah. And you're right. Maybe we do need more Singaporeans who can be, who, who are capable of doing these jobs and taking on these jobs. But at the same time, I think, you know, if we were, if we are to think of ourselves as a global city and, you know, uh, you're not just servicing Singapore, right? You're servicing the region, uh, the world in some levels. And like in many major multinational companies or major corporations, even if you look at some of our homegrown companies, um, you do want a range of talent with a range of backgrounds and di- different operating contexts who um, are part of the team because they bring in something different, right? Whether that yeah. diverse view, that background, having grown up in a system that, say, operated in a completely different language, right? Or even a different legal environment. Yeah. And I think intuitively, it's, it's, you're right, it, it can be a tough sell to persuade people that these people actually contribute. Yeah. And create jobs as well. And create jobs. The companies that they work for create jobs in this country. And that there are Singaporeans who are also sharing their capabilities with other countries in the world. That's right. So just as we want an international workforce here, you want individual Singaporean workers to also be international in their expertise and outlook. That's right. Yeah. And I think that that enriches the uh, overall experience. But here's the thing. Does the government have a plan for managing the sociological aspects of this, the impact that that might cause? So I think that's the challenge. I mean, part of the plan involves uh, measures like the fair consideration framework, right? Which then, you know, again, goes after the companies uh, that may attract complaints or, um, you know, be found to have, say, an over-concentration of certain nationalities or an over-dependence on foreigners. And I think... You know, they've established that perhaps over the years that some companies have taken advantage of this, right? By um, your hiring manager brings in, you know, um, your entire clan from a certain uh, region or a certain mm. certain part of the world or a certain background. Uh, you see that, I think, in many MNCs, right? To an extent, say, if you're a European oil giant and you're operating here, perhaps it's natural for you to rely for your hiring practice, you know, for, for your hiring on a certain pool of people from a certain background. But I think what, what these frameworks or these checks aim to ensure is that be clear and, and let us know that you've tried to get the right mm. local people for the job and only if you can't, then we'll... Um, you know, perhaps be open to considering your application to take on an expat. Might there be more measures to ensure fair consideration and fairness in general? I mean, we've uh, already they're already rolling out um, a certain point system next year mm. for for uh, EP, you know, for for a complementarity assessment framework, which will take in take effect in September. 
um, that's meant to sort of holistically evaluate some of these uh, applications for employment pass holders. I don't think at this stage we they're looking at further measures because it is a tight labour environment already, especially for global talent. And I think the more breaks you impose, uh, the more self-defeating it might be. All right. Thank you very much for that, Zakir. Really appreciate your time today. Zakir Hussein, Singapore editor at The Straits Times. The SG Extra podcast is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.